Yo, what's going on, man? This is uh, comedian Jay Bliss. Thank you for tuning in to the Bliss is Ignorant podcast, man. Um, it is, uh, I think, two weeks since we had the last podcast. Um, I don't make no excuses for when I don't have y'all content up every week. I mean, for those that listen to it, appreciate y'all that's enjoying it. For those that's complaining, I don't care. It's free content. You're either listening to it or you ain't. But appreciate everybody that is listening to it. <clears throat> Different format today. I don't have no notes. I don't have nothing. I'm not writing nothing down. I'm not trying to keep a format or anything. I don't have no special guests. It's me chilling on my couch, talking. That's all it is. Um, and I didn't feel like putting that much effort into it today. Um, I'm supposed to be cleaning up, but I'm not. So I poured myself a cup of coffee. Grabbed my uh, recorder and was like, go, you know what? Go ahead and drop your podcast today. So um, that's what it is, man. Um, I got up this morning. I went out last night to, um, it is CIAA right now in Charlotte, North Carolina. CIAA is a uh, historically black college and university basketball tournament that happens um, every year. It is the uh, basically the conference uh, tournament uh, for the uh, – the CIAA conference, which is uh, predominantly uh, African American, African American. I don't even know. I'll never use that term. Yo, fuck that term. If you ever hear me say that term again, next time you see me, punch me in the face. Black, historically black colleges and universities. Um, the schools that are in the conference are predominantly black colleges. There are some um, white schools in there too now, but. You know, that's where it was. It was invented. Um, and uh, it's a huge week. Um, it's the last year since Charlotte. It's been in Charlotte for about 15 years straight now. And they are moving to Baltimore next year. Um, it averages between 30 and 40 million dollars in revenue for the entire week every year that it comes. Um, it uh, is one of the top grossing um, revenue uh, tournament revenues in the nation. Um, people don't hear about it a lot. It was aired on ESPN two some years ago when Stephen A. Smith brought light to it. Um, but it's been around for a long time. But um, last night I went to an event. Uh, we were out um, at a virtual Top Golf location in uh, downtown Charlotte. Um, so it wasn't like a real Top Golf, but it was like a place where it was like virtual reality where you know, you can still strike the ball to the screen and it goes out on the thing or whatever. So it was cool. Um, I was out adulting on a Wednesday. Um, I will say I consumed a little bit too much alcohol because um, I was I was lit last night. Like I was like, man, shoot, I was numb. Um, but we had a good time. It was good hanging out. So got up this morning, um, needed to take care of some things early in the morning, got those taken care of, and then I was – Supposed to be cleaning up, but now I am uh, recording, and I will do the cleanup after the uh, the, re the the recording is done. I was going through uh, some of the social media. Everybody seems to be in this little tizzy or scare. Um, what the media is really trying to get you to do is be upset and be scared about this coronavirus. Now, the coronavirus is out. People are dying from it because they said they are. They said they are and i believe it because there's some people that didn't come home that was quarantined so um 
but there's still more people dying from the flu. So I don't know. Are we? What are we? Are we supposed to have the same um, fear for the flu as we do for the coronavirus, or you know, what have you? I mean, I have a common cold right now. I'm pretty sure it's a common cold. I don't have any body aches or or shakes or chills or anything like that. It's pretty much a head cold. Um, but you know, where's the panic? I mean, there is panic, but maybe it's the same panic that we had for swine flu, same panic we had for H1N1, same panic we had for Zika, same panic we had for, um, what was the other one? Uh, mad cow, same one we had for, um, whatever, whatever one they come out with, um, every two or three years to get everybody in an uproar. This is the next one. Um, so my feeling is they come up with a virus to off people that need to be offed. Um, when I say they, I'm talking about the powers that be, um, there's some people that need to be off that they can't off without some questions being around. So they give them the coronavirus and they say, all right, so you got to die. 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 Then once all those people are dead, all right, it's no more coronavirus. It's gone. All right. We, we handled it. We got an antidote. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> Let me get that all of coronavirus out of my chest. Um, you know, we got an antidote. Uh, we got a serum. We got, you know, uh, vaccination. Everybody's safe now. Um, y'all going about your business. That's what I look at it as. I might be ignorant. I might not know what the hell I'm talking about. But, hey, the title of the podcast is Bliss is Ignorant. So, ignorant basically is not knowing. So, there you got it. That's just my opinion. Um, I'm not worried about it. But the article I saw today that everybody keep posting and reposting is that everybody's supposed to shave off all their facial hair. First of all, that ain't fucking happening. All right. Second of all, find something else to be scared about. I mean, you got the outlet that came out from Fox, CNN, CDC, all this other stuff. Shave off your facial hair, clean shaving, da 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 First of all, black people ain't shaving off all their goddamn facial hair. It's just not happening, all right? It's just not going to happen, all right? I was clean shaving mm, three times within the last six years, six, seven years maybe. I've been clean shaving. Um, mainly it's like, sometimes I clean shave myself if, uh, I don't know if my, my goatee's a little unkempt, like it, maybe it's uneven or maybe it's not, uh, the, the width that I needed to be or whatever. So like the only way to combat that is either shave it really low so that you can get the growth pattern the same way and then get everything lined back up the same way or grow a full beard out and then recut your goatee back in the way you want it to be cut in. It can happen a number of different ways. And you can get your goatee messed up by somebody else lining up your goatee, you being in a rush in the morning, or whatever might happen. You might be like, damn, my shit lopsided, or my shit fucked up. So you gotta, you gotta, gotta find a way to remedy it. You know, you gotta remedy the problem. But, you know, um, I think I clean, I clean shave myself maybe, like I said, three times over the last six or seven years. And um, this ain't gonna be one of them. Um, I currently, I'm currently rocking a full beard. And um, I grew that uh, over the last four or five weeks. And um, I'm not, not shaving it off. It just ain't time yet. Um, and if I shave anything off, it'll be shaved back into a goatee. It won't be clean shaving completely off. I'm just not going to do it. I'm sorry. Um, 
and I'm going back and forth for people online, like, you know, oh, yeah, they say that germs do carry, uh, I mean, beards do carry germs. At least that's what they say. I'm like, you keep believing what they say. You know what I mean? And I'm like, if, if, if beards carry that much germs, why are there dudes walking around with infections um, on their face? You know, like, like literally, like at least ringworm. Remember when you was little and you always had a kid that had ringworm because they had dirt in their hair or they, they kept a dirty hair. They didn't wash their hair properly. Um, and then, you know, um, European people, you know, they carry lice. So lice is a big problem with people that don't clean properly or wash their hair thoroughly or, you know, just un- unhealthy. So why don't you see a big outbreak in that? Why don't you see people walking around with a beard one day, then they shave their face off, and then you see all these imperfections on their face from an infection that happened because they wasn't keeping their beard clean? Like, why isn't that happening since beards are carrying all these germs around? I don't see that. So y'all keep on believing what they say, Um, you know. And like women, if y'all really feel like it's a problem with um, dudes with beards and y'all think it's a health concern and y'all think it's unkempt and it's – it's a, a German-infested uh, petri dish. Um, stop dating dudes with beards. Only date dudes that's clean-shaven. That's your preference. If you're a germaphobe and you feel like we carry, you know, people with facial hair carry the most germs, stay away from them. That that's your right. That's your prerogative. But don't don't um don't follow the masses and be like, oh yeah, it's scientifically proven. It ain't scientifically shit. It's it's scare tactics. Uh, coronavirus. It'll be going by summertime. I'm just letting y'all know. Might be the middle of the spring, uh, right when baseball season kick off. You won't hear about it no more. You know, I might be wrong, but if I am, like I said, I fall back on the title of the program. This is ignorant. You know what I mean, either I know or I don't. Tell you one thing, just ain't the type of person to be running around here scared about shit. I just don't do it. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I'm just getting off the road, man. Um, last week I was in uh, Syracuse, New York. Uh, performing at the Funny Bone at the Destiny USA Mall. Um, love going up to Syracuse, man. Had a good time up there, man. I was working with uh, Shafi Hussein, who was hosting for us uh, that weekend. And the headliner was Brooks Whelan. Brooks Whelan used to be on Saturday Night Live. Dude is out of L.A. right now, from, uh, originally from Iowa. Funny dude. Great five shows. We had a good time. Um, and... Um, Probably one of the best times I had since I've been up to Syracuse. Last time I think I was in Syracuse. Um, hold on, let me get up, get up here. Uh, last time I was in Syracuse, I think I was up there in the summertime. Had to be the summertime um, because I remember going out on the patio um, of the hotel and, and um, smoking a cigar. Oh, that's good coffee. Um, and um, so I had a good time this time. I went up there. We did the shows. Um Went out, I think, Friday, Saturday. I think we went out Saturday uh, for lunch. Met up at this place called Dinosaur Barbecue. I was like, Syracuse Barbecue? If y'all say so. That's just what I said. (laughs) That's what I said. But I I wasn't driving. I was riding. So, you know, we all, you know, got in the car, met over at the um, Dinosaur Barbecue, and the line was ridiculous. We had a long wait, um, but I don't know if something happened where 
We ordered some drinks. The bartender was cool with Brooks. Brooks was cool with the bartender. Then all of a sudden, the bartender was like, what's your name on the list? Where's your number? We was like, we don't have a number. We just put our name on the list. She came back like three minutes later. was like, here, we got a table for y'all. We was like, word. You know, sometimes you just, you know, you say the right thing to the right people. You get bumped up on the list. I just happened to be there. So I was a benefit of white privilege at that moment. I was like, man, is this how this shit work? You know what I mean? I was like, maybe I peeped some shit. Or just maybe this dude was just cool as hell, cool as a fan, and the waitress was feeling his vibe. I have no idea. I know we got our table way before we should have. That's all I'm saying. But it was a good deal. So we sat down. We sitting there looking at the menu or whatever. Usually you go to a barbecue place, you do something like real simple. Like you pick pick two or pick three. You know what I mean? It's just like you do like a sampling of uh, of uh, good stuff. So I think I ended up getting like um, <clears throat> St. Louis ribs. In Syracuse, like, it was like, okay, whatever. Syracuse ribs, the full pork, um, some uh, greens, and uh, I think the mac and cheese. And um, then they had all the samplings of the barbecue sauce or whatever. I must say, impressive. It was very good. The only thing that was um, bleh was the uh, macaroni and cheese. Macaroni and cheese looked like real macaroni and cheese like it looked like it was i mean it was baked don't get me wrong it was baked it was done had plaid to be done some in some type of casserole dish just the way the consistency of it and the way that it looked but when you tasted it it was meh it wasn't it wasn't like real macaroni and cheese it wasn't bad but it wasn't good okay so it wasn't it wasn't mac and cheese it was macaroni and cheese but it wasn't like, damn, who made this macaroni and cheese? You know what I mean? It wasn't that. You know what I'm saying? So um, it was, you know, it was, eh, eh, it could have been better. You know what I mean? The greens was good. It was uh, flavored with turkey meat. So they was, they was, the greens was bumping. Um, and um, everything else, I mean, the ribs was good. Ribs was tender. You could tell they'd been smoked properly. They were seasoned properly. They was good. Pulled pork was on point. I was like, yo, never would have thought y'all knew how to do pulled pork like y'all know how to do pulled pork in Syracuse, New York. But the food was banging. Good food. Um, good price. Everything was decent. So next time I go to Syracuse, I will be hitting that spot up again. Um, so I think I was out. Um, was it Thursday night or Friday night? I tried to find... Um, a cigar lounge, somewhere to go smoke a cigar. And I was like looking up online, like lounges or whatever. And one was open till two o'clock in the morning. So I drove over uh, after the show to the spot, which was like maybe a mile and a half away from the club. Drove over to the spot or from the hotel. Drove over to the spot, got there. It was a whiskey a whiskey bar. So I was like, oh, they got a whiskey bar. They must have a smoking section. So I walk in. I was like, hey, you know, da 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 da. So y'all was listed under here. There's lounges, cigar lounges or whatever. Where's y'all cigar section? They was like, we don't have one anymore. I'm like, damn it. Why? And it's like, we got new ownership and then they didn't grandfather over, so they couldn't smoke. So I was like, damn. I ain't want no drink without no smoke. So I was like, all right, let me bounce. And I left and went uh, back to the hotel. But when I was at Dinosaur Barbecue, I looked up another spot, and there was a spot a mile and a half away from the barbecue place. So the guy that drove us to the barbecue place, I was like, hey, man, drop me off here at Rocky's, the cigar lounge, and I'll get a lift home. 
So I get to the uh, cigar lounge, cool cigar lounge, laid back, whatever, walked in, like, hey, where's your humidor? They're like, we don't have one. I'm like, you bullshit. And he's like, nah, we got 13 of them. I was like, word? Like, yeah. So he's like, what you looking for? I named the two cigars that I wanted. He's like, hey, you got the CAO Sessions. Do you have uh, Tayback Specials? He was like, yep. Got these here. Got those there. There you go. What you want? So I grabbed two cigars, paid for them. He's like, you smoking them here? You leaving? I'm like, I'm, I'm chilling. I'm, I'm going to be right here. Went over there. Grab me something to drink, watch the game, sat down, good conversation. Dude was coming in and out. You know what I'm saying? It was a nice, chill vibe. And um, it was cool. Met a couple brothers that came through there. They was talking and chopping it up. One of the dudes was like, what you smoking? I told him. He told the dude, hey, get my man another one on me. Hospitality. I was like, this is a nice spot. You know what I mean? Hospitality, them dude ain't know me from Adam. But he was like, yo, like the dude vibe. Good dude. Hey, get him another stick on me. You know what I mean? And it was a good good vibe. I mean, I was like, all right, good dudes. Got to meet them dudes. It was late, chill back, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. Was watching the Syracuse game. Um, then it was getting late. So caught a lift back to the um the hotel. Got ready for the show. These shows, um, for the weekend was um was real. I mean, every crowd was good. Sunday's crowd was a little tight. It was a little tight, but you expect that on a Sunday. But I think we was able to try to get them out of that by the time the show got into its rhythm. Um, but for the majority, all the crowds was dope. All the crowds were dope. Good feedback, good energy, uh, good uh, merch sales. Syracuse, that y'all was y'all was live. I, I had a great time. Shout out to the Funny Bone. Shout out to Rockies Cigar Lounge in Syracuse. Shout out to Dinosaur Barbecue. Shout out to Wings over Syracuse. Another spot that I hit up when I go to Syracuse. I always go get wings from Wings over Syracuse. It's in the hood, but I feel comfortable every time I walk over there. Just got to change your walk up a little bit. But you can walk through the hood, grab you some grub, dap up a couple people that don't look official. Uh, just to recognize, to make sure it's real. And, uh, and you know, it was a good time. You know what I mean? But I did drive up. Um, that's a long-ass drive. Um, but I drove because I had a lot of merch, and I didn't want to make sure I'd have to overpay for the flight and bags and stuff like that. And then sometimes driving is good because it clears your head and you can figure some stuff out on the way. So that was dope. Um, I should have actually did the podcast while I was driving. That probably would have been a better better uh, deal to do. But, um, yeah, that was dope. Um, week before that, um, Syracuse, I was in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina. Two shows there from um, week one week and then the, the, the week after. So, um, I was in Jacksonville, North Carolina at a bar called Swanix. Swanix. Looks like Swankies. But it's spelled different. It's like S Y W A N K Y Z or Y S. Looks like Swankies. It does look like Swankies, but it's Swanix. And it was a promoter show, so I didn't know what the turnout was going to be. But when I tell you that these people promoted this show, comedians, we like when the promoter does. His or her part. And what we mean is. A comedian knows. If he's famous or not. 
a comedian knows if he can sell or not. A comedian knows if he can do nothing but the bare minimum and sell a venue out. He knows if he can do that or not. He does. These promoters didn't know me. One of the promoters saw me perform and said, this guy will be perfect for our show. So he convinced the other promoters, bring this guy, trust me when I tell you. And they went with that. They went with that. They understood it and they believed it. I was supposed to do the show originally in November of 2019, but there was a weather issue that weekend and they canceled the show. And then he was like, hey, I'm going to try to bring you on the weekend of February 15th. And I was like, no problem. The crazy thing was, was at the same time in November when that show was going on, I got booked in Jacksonville the week prior for the weekend of the 7th, which is that Friday before in Jacksonville at another place called Ducks, which is crazy. So I'll go back to that in a minute. But he was worried because he was like, man, you're going to be performing in Jacksonville, North Carolina, and then you coming back to our venue the week after. And I'm like, dude, trust me when I tell you, your crowd and their crowd is not the same crowd. And he was like, I have a diverse crowd. It will be the same crowd. And I was like, it won't. And I was confident in that. Right. So I I went and did the Swanets Club. And when I tell you that this place was a it's a it's a bar. It's a bar. They got TVs. They got upstairs. They got a downstairs. But it was set up nice and it was packed. It was packed. I was headlining. It's a guy named Melman that was hosting and Miss Phyllis out of um, Raleigh. Shout out to Melman. Shout out to Miss Phyllis out of uh, Raleigh or Durham. Um, they're both interchangeable if you, if you ask me, but I think she was from Durham. Um, shout out to them. They did their thing. And, um, I went up there and I was supposed to do 45 minutes. I think I ended up doing like an hour and five minutes. Um, mm, sorry, this coffee is good. Um, crowd was live. Crowd was live. It was a diverse crowd, white and black. These was military folks. I had new jokes. I had old jokes. I had riffs i had crowd work i had everything that you can imagine during the set and it was funny as hell the end all be all to let me know that the that the set was great was i sold out of every shirt that i had with me that night i was under the impression that if if you sell five shirts while you're here you're doing good it was a one-nighter i only drove down there one night do the show sleep over the night come back that was all my my goal was i left with nothing left with no merchandise so it really really ended up being something way better than i could ever imagine so shout out to swanick shout out to jacksonville north carolina shout out to camp lejeune shout out to the marines shout out to the military folks Shout out to everybody down in Jacksonville, North Carolina. The week prior, I was at Ducks. Ducks is a place that I do on a regular basis, and I do it once a year. And I've been there for the last two years previously, um, and they always have a good time. Fine dining restaurant, laid back place. In the back, they do comedy on Friday nights. I don't know if they do it every week. I don't know if they do it once a month. I don't know if they do it two times a month, but I know I go down there once a year. Shout out to my man, Louis Bishop. Shout out to Jen Snyder, who was featuring for me that night. Shout out to everybody that came out the Ducks. Um, Jen Snyder, never worked with her before. Tell me, I tell you, she funny as hell. Funny as hell. Shout out to her. Ever see her on any lineup? Go see her. 
she is hilarious. She is hilarious and she speaks the obvious and it's funny. So shout out to them. Um, and I had a good time with those shows. Those shows was dope. And, um, I think my next show is, um, next week in Greenville, South Carolina, working with a guy named Chris Dubail doing a, um, benefit down there in Greenville for them. So the people down in Greenville, South Carolina, if you listen to this podcast, if you know anything about me, or if you know that I'm coming to the town, understand it's the ignorance is coming. So it's going to be funny. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be uh cool, um, did get a chance to watch the um the Kobe Bryant memorial um that was going on while I was um coming back from Syracuse. Now I will tell you this, I was not watching it. I was listening to it cuz I was listening to it on um, satellite radio. I was listening to um the memorial service. It was a little heart-wrenching, man. A little little sad. Um that seemed like forever ago. Um it was almost like 2 days past a month two days before a month that passed before um, since he day had passed away. So, you know, I do understand the length and the fact that that was that much time in between, I think gave um, his wife a little bit more strength to be able to stand up there and, um, and present like the way she did as far as being able to speak on behalf of her daughter and her late husband. So, um, you know, shout out to, to her shout out to uh, all the family of uh, the Bryant family. And, um, you know, people always find a way to be mad about something, man. Just, you know, people mad and why LeBron didn't go to the memorial. So what, man? Like, let that man live. Like, why does that man have to go to a memorial service? Like, it don't matter. It don't mean he didn't love the dude. It didn't, It don't mean he didn't have um, respect for uh, Kobe. It Just some people don't handle grief the same way. You know what I'm saying? Some people can't sit and funerals like everybody else. Like me personally, I can't sit through a funeral. Not since my not since my twin sister passed away. I cannot sit through a funeral. If if I can get past if I can get out of going to a funeral, I'll get out of it. I if I can get out of going to a funeral, I will get out of it. And it's not anything about against the person um that passed away. It's not that I don't respect them. It's just that I know um, personally it is something that sits on me differently since 2002. That's just how it is. That's how it's going to be. And that's probably how it's going to be for the rest of my life. Like, like funerals don't sit with me the same way. Like before then, funerals to me was probably the same as everybody else. But right now, like since 2002, since I seen my sister, mm-mm. I, me, mm-mm. it could be it could be one of my good friends, and I've been to funerals. Don't go get me wrong, I've been to funerals, but when I tell you, it don't sit right with me, and it's a tough it's a tough thing for me to get through. Trust me, my mind is everywhere. My mind is everywhere, and it don't it's not a good thing for me. Some people are like, oh man, you really grieving. And it's like, you probably think I'm grieving because of the people that we here with. That's not why I'm grieving. I'm grieving over a whole nother situation. So you just don't know. You don't know, you know what I'm saying? But you can't, you know, let you, you look, you want to go to the memorial service? Go. But don't criticize somebody else because they didn't go. You know what I mean? Then all these people up there like, LeBron didn't go to the, where was you? Where were you at? Why you ain't there? 
You see what I'm saying? You know, you got an attitude about it. Why you not there? You know? I mean, that's this whole thing right now we dealing with. We talking about, you know, people um, criticizing as much as we criticize on social media. Everybody got an opinion. And you're right. You got a right to your opinion. That's cool. But then everybody went off on Deion Cole because he wore the bell bottoms at the award ceremony. Now he going back and forth with people about why he getting so much hate. Why do why do black people hate each other so much? And the vitriol that goes along with it and, oh, you gay and you this and you that. Because he wore some bell bottoms. Like, dude, y'all, like, for real. Like, chill. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. Everybody got an opinion about Dwayne Wade and his son that's transitioning. Like, why y'all got to have this this angry narrative all because of this man and his his uh, his daughter his daughter his son or his son that wants to re um, clarify his daughter. Now, I I want to I mean, initially I had a problem with it. I had a problem with it initially because I felt like the kid is twelve. I don't think y'all need to be forcing this the issue but once i heard the kid speak on it i said the kid the way the kid is speaking on it the kid obviously is intelligent enough to be able to understand exactly what they're talking about it's not a situation where the kid is is not um mature enough to be able to know what they're saying or i didn't feel like the kid was speaking from a space of confusion like the kid was articulate and was able to express themselves in a manner that made me be like all right well this this kid know what the fuck they're talking about. I'm going to go ahead and leave it alone. Ain't none of my business. That's pretty much how I felt about it. But, you know, sometimes parents can push a narrative on the kid, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, a parents can push a narrative on the kid that's not necessarily their narrative, and then they got to figure it out for themselves. Same thing with racism. You know what I mean? Racism can be pushed on a child, and the child can be speaking things that the parent is saying, not really knowing that this is not their truth. If you understand what I'm saying, and you do understand what I'm saying, if you feel like you don't know what I'm saying, you're just being ignorant at this time. But um, one more coffee sip. Hold on. Mm. All right. So um, that's the that's the, the the Dwayne Wade thing was one. I'm trying to remember what the other one was. There was another thing that was going on, but you were far between, man. Um, shout out to my kids, man. Shout out to my twin girls, man. They did an amazing job this year in their basketball. Um, they uh, they ended up getting to the finals. They uh, they got the number one seed by the end of the season. Um, I was out of town when they went to the finals, and they lost in the finals. And I was so heartbroken for them. Um, they didn't seem too upset about it. They they uh, they carried it pretty good. They said they played their best. Uh, team they was playing switched it up on them. Went to a zone defense. Um, in the finals, and I think they was used to playing everybody in a uh, man-to-man situation for that whole season. Other team went to a zone, which forced all the girls to have to just knock down jump shots in order to win the game, and um, the shots wasn't falling. From what I understand, the shots wasn't falling. They had good shots. They just wasn't falling, and I was like, hey, whatever. You know what I mean? What you going to do? They went to the next sport. But one of my daughters yesterday um, made me very, very proud. Very, very proud. She wanted to play basketball in the spring where they live their rec league does not have 10 to 12 year old girls basketball they don't have it they have boys only so she still wanted to play so we was like you play with the boys and she was like i just won't play we was like you can play with the boys she was like no we were like you can play with the boys so then it was like i don't want to we was like no 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 you're not hearing what we're saying what we're saying is 
you can play with the boys. And then she was like, no. We were like, you hear, listen, listen to what I'm telling you. You can play with the boys. Then she started kind of getting what I was saying. She's like, no, nah, they just too, like, they selfish. And then, you know, they don't really, you know, they, they play one-on-one. And then they don't know how to play team basketball. And I'm like, you can teach, though. You know what I mean? Everything is based off leadership. You know what I mean? You get in there and practice, you realize they realize you can knock down shots. You know what you're doing. You know how to set picks. You know how to roll to the basket. You know how to do all of those things. And you've been playing basketball probably a lot longer than they have been playing. You've been playing since you was five years old. You know what I mean? So don't think just because they might be, some of them might be stronger, some might be faster, some might be bigger, don't mean you can't play. You know what I mean? So she went to a trial yesterday. And I was hell-bent on making sure I was there for the tryout. So got down there yesterday, and she showed up, and she didn't want to get out of the car. She was nervous, and I understood the anxiety. I understood the nervousness, and I gave her a big hug, and I said, Mama, regardless of what happens in here, I want you to know I'm proud of you, and I'm glad that you are challenging yourself. That's the only thing I told her. So we go inside, and we just thought there was going to be more girls because of, you know, there's not having but she was the only girl. So she was the only girl there. She didn't feel comfortable about it. She was really upset. And I was like, look, I said, go over there, grab a ball, do some shooting around or whatever. Just warm yourself up. She didn't want to do it. We saw one little boy over there by himself that was kind of like, you know, he's small and he nobody, I guess he just didn't really feel like he fit in. So I was like, go over there and shoot with him. So she went over there and they, they were passing the ball back and forth and they did some layups and things like that. Here's the crazy thing. So out of all the kids that was there, they only had one drill that the kids had to do. The drill was pass the ball back and forth three times with one coach. After they passed the ball the third time, dribble the ball in, do a layup, grab the ball, go down the baseline, or go up the uh, go up the court, go through the cones, pass the ball to the other coach, coach pass it back, hit a free throw, drill over. I was like, that's all they got to do. So <clears throat> um they went in alphabetical order, so my daughter went pretty early. So she was probably like seventh or eighth of all the kids that were there. And she has height on her, so she, was, she wasn't the smallest person out there. She definitely wasn't the tallest, but she definitely wasn't the smallest. She was on like the top quarter as far as height. Uh, you know, boys are small during that age. So 10, 12, I remember I was 10 to 12. My sister was definitely taller than me at that age. So, um... Um, my, my daughter gets the, the ball. She was the only one that was passing the ball with any type of, uh, strength on the ball. You know, everybody was doing them little baby passes and she was like, nah, straight chest pass, straight strength. So as soon as she was passing them, I see the coaches kind of perk up like, man, she going to get it. And she was fast speed with it. So she grabbed the ball. She, she hit her layup. She went up the sideline and she was going through the cones as she was going through the bump cones. She got towards the last cone and the ball dribbled off her foot. So it went off her foot, and she went to go chase the ball. And I knew it, was, it, I knew it upset her that she lost control of her handle. But I, I told her, I, I mean, I was thinking of it. I was like, oh, you know, I was just felt bad for her at the moment. So she gathered herself. She grabbed the ball, you know, shot the ball over to the, the coach, and then went and stood in her spot. And the coach passed the ball back to her. And then she was at the free throw line, and she caught the ball in rhythm, didn't dribble, just shot it. When I tell you that this jump shot was to perfection, after she had gathered herself after losing that dribble, to perfection, ball didn't hit nothing but net, 
net didn't move one millimeter. I mean, straight, no movement of the net. And all I heard from the stands was parents go, ooh, that's all I heard. And she was just standing there, her same follow-through form. She got done. She put her head down, and she walked back over to the um, sideline. So me and her mom was sitting there. I gave, like, a real quick fist pump, and uh, one of the parents behind me was like, is she yours? I'm like, yeah, that's my daughter. And she's like, oh, man, she was so nice to my son when they were doing shoot rounds because she was the only one that was over there working with them. And I was like, yeah, and I was, we told her to go over there because she was nervous. And then so, you know, it was a cool thing. So she came over to me and she put her head down. I said, Mama, very good job. And she she was breathing hard. She was breathing hard. She was, you know, you know, a little upset still. So I was like, let's walk outside. Let's get some air. So we walk outside. She was upset. And then I was like, what's the matter? She's like, the ball went off my foot. I said, don't worry about that. I said, you got to understand, from what I'm seeing in there, ain't nobody hitting no both of their shots. I said, you hit both of your shots. I said, the mistake you made was dribbling. I said, but you gathered yourself. I was like, and I ain't seen nobody hit no shot that you just hit better than you just hit it. Like, you hit the best shot out here. I was like, if we go back in here and watch the rest of these 80 other people that's still in here going through their drills, I'm guarantee you ain't none of them hitting their shots like that. I said, especially after gathering themselves after losing the ball. I said, so trust me. I said, there's people that went through, hit the layup, went through every single cone and still didn't hit their shot or they banked it in or it was ugly. I was like, so don't worry about that. So we go back in. So you want to watch the rest of everybody so you can make yourself feel better about yourself when you see and realize that you didn't do as bad as you think you did. I mean, it was it was kids that was going through the cones that was falling. I mean, so I said, you really can't feel bad about yourself. But I was proud of her because she went and she did what she was supposed to do. And all she did was stuck to her fundamentals. And the fundamentals is what got her through this whole process. And I was proud of that. So we get done. Done with the shoot-arounds, coaches around, gathering around stuff. So you want to put some shots up. You want to get some shots up. So me and her and her mom, we walked over to one court. We start putting shots up. She knocked down maybe 10 to 12 jump shots um, in a row, all net. No backboard, nothing. Just knocked them down. Moving around on the elbow, off the elbow, free throw, three-point. Just knocking them down. Whap, 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 whap. I was like. I said, you see what I'm saying? I said, just get in your rhythm, get in your space, understand what's going on. It, I, I know the coaches had to see what was going on. So as we were leaving the gym, one of the coaches called us out. was like, hey, you know, he's like, bless. He's like, yeah, you know, da, da, da. He goes, um, I want, if I, if I can get her on my team, trust me, I'm picking her up. He's like, I just want to let you know we practice on Thursdays. So is she good with practicing on Thursdays? We was like, yeah, she's fine on Thursdays. He's like, the draft is this weekend. So I'm telling you now, I am trying to get her on my team. And we were like, all right, no problem. So after that, she had a smile on her face. And I told her, I said, when, so out of all the trials that you went through, the girls basketball that you played, how many times does a coach come up to us to tell us that they're trying to get you on a team? She's like, never. I said, exactly. I said, and we know you're good at girls basketball. I was like, so don't ever doubt yourself. So I was proud of her. She had a smile on her face. She um she was happy. She didn't feel like she could do it. And then she realized that, you know, once she put her mind to it and once she she you know relied on her um once she relied on her her um fundamentals that everything was going to come through the way it was supposed to come through. So 
you know, shout out to um, for any little girl out there that's doubting themselves when it comes to the abilities that they have and putting their mind to anything that they put their mind to. Don't be intimidated by no boys. I care anything about no sports, whether it's boys and girls and things like that. Basketball is basketball. And if you can ball, you can ball. And my daughter can ball. So I'm happy for her. Shout out to her. And I'm waiting to see what she can do. And the highlights will be updated on my social media as I do for all the other stuff. So, yeah, that's what that is. And um, I need more coffee. So hold on one second. All right, back. Um, it's funny when I say back because it's just like I could have paused that and then press play again. And you guys would have never known that I had paused it in the first place. So I don't understand. I mean, I don't know why I do that. But, um, yeah, so um, – you know, weather's starting to change. I mean, we're getting a little bit of the wintery stuff still, but, you know, spring will be here soon enough. And, um, shoot, baseball has started back up again. So, you know, all that stuff is going to change. Um, something I was thinking about the other day and trying to figure this out is, um, you know, airlines and um, their seating process. It's, it's always bothered me, and it's always been – something that I, I've tried to figure out and maybe I'm trying to figure it out maybe because there has to be people in their offices and in their corporate headquarters and things like that as far as what constitutes who gets seated when where and why and why they board the plane the way they board it and charging for bags like that part of it like it didn't used to be all of that. Like and now it's just like it's 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 confusing. It doesn't seem organized. It has no rhyme or reason. It doesn't make sense. And I think it could be done more efficiently. Um I read an article uh sometime back with it that dealt with um time frames and the allotment of time that it takes for a plane to board take off land uh and 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 deboard like or unboard whatever they call it with whatever phrase it's supposed to be turned as far as getting the fuck off the plane like um so they a lot so so they're a lot um they're a lot uh two hours and 15 minutes for flight uh from uh let's say uh philadelphia to uh dc now, we know that Philadelphia to D.C. ain't no two-hour and 15-minute flight, right? It might be 45 minutes. It might be 30 minutes. It might not. It, it, it's definitely not as long as two hours and 15 minutes. But what they are accounting for is delays, time in the board, time to get off the plane, and whatever, right? Because that's where sometimes you get on a plane, and they say the plane is supposed to leave at 2 o'clock. Like, you're supposed to fly, take off at 2 o'clock, and you start boarding at 2 o'clock. Right. You board at two o'clock. You get on the plane. You get on the runway. You wait in line. You take off. But you still make it on time. You see what I'm saying? Like you, you've been in those situations before. So these are the allotments or whatever and the time frame that it takes for those things to happen. But knowing that you have that allotment, knowing that they're giving you two hours and 15 minutes for a flight that's only supposed to take an hour and 10. Right. You know, the bullshit is coming. Right. Because then sometimes you see, like, uh, the flight attendants and things like that, and they showing up late, and they coming from one gate. Oh, they on their way back from this gate, or they coming from that gate, and they just landed, and da-da-da-da. I'm like, if they just landed, why do all of them have Starbucks cups in their hand? 
If they just landed and they just got off their plane and they just get off at the D gate and they didn't walked all the way over to the A gate, why do they all have Starbucks cups in their hand? They stopped somewhere, got in line, got their order of Starbucks, all four or five of them, and casually mosey they ass over to this gate. Now we've been late, we've been waiting at this gate for 30 minutes and we were supposed to board 40 minutes ago. So don't tell me they just landed. Like stop lying to me. I'm able to figure this shit out. You can't bullshit a bullshitter. Okay. So, um, speaking of bullshit, a bullshit, I got another story for y'all after this, but <clears throat> that whole situation doesn't, doesn't, doesn't vibe, doesn't make sense. Doesn't, doesn't mean what it's supposed to mean. You understand what I'm saying? So, that's one thing. The second thing that bothers me that I'm trying to figure out, trying to wrap my mind around is if you have, a, you're allowed, okay, you check your bags, you pay for the bags that you check. On the plane, you're allowed a bag that can fit over top, overhead, and a bag that can fit underneath your seat. Okay. The bag that goes over top of your seat, over top, overhead. Right. It goes overhead. Sometimes you can fit that up there. Sometimes it's a coat or whatever. All right. Here's the thing. You got three seats. Three slots up above those th that row. That's what you got. OK. Sometimes you got the, the flight attendants that take up that space or whatever. But then you got some people that get on the plane that don't got nothing to put over top. Right. I feel like if you have one seat. And it's your ticket and you got two bags that need to go up top. You need to be charged for that shit. You need to be charged for that because number one, you're slowing up the the uh, boarding process and the the deboarding process because you got two bags to grab from up top, and you should be charged extra for taking more spot space that's allotted for everybody else. You should be charged for the second bag that you have to put over up top because, like I said, you you. You're causing delays with the boarding process. So anything that you take of, up above be, and beyond, the spot that's above you and the spot that's underneath the seat in front of you, anything you take above that, you should be charged for, right? If that was the case, it would deter people from doing that. But if everything remained the same and everybody had one bag above them, spot underneath the seat in front of them, or less on the plane, Shouldn't you be able to board the plane from the back to the front from the, the window to the aisle? Like, so filling the plane in in a manner, whereas you're saying uh, section one or uh, or zone one, zone one would be, let's say, 25 rows. Let's say it's 25 rows in the plane. Zone one would be row 25 to row 15, all window seats. You, you get what I'm saying, right? So all window seats. Everybody that gets on the plane, they're putting their one bag up above them. They're single filing, getting in, going all the way over to the windows, sitting down. Zone 2, 25 to 15, Aisle seats. 
same rows, aisle seats. You understand what I'm saying? This is how you're going to fill the plane up. You understand what I'm saying? I don't care if it's 25 to 1. Everybody that's sitting by the window, y'all get your ass on the plane first. You see what I'm saying? Because if you get on the plane first and you sitting by the window and you know you got a window seat, there's no such thing as you getting on the plane and the person that gets on the plane next is already in the in the in the aisle or they're already in the middle seat and they got to get up, get out, and let you in. You understand what I'm saying? Zone one should be everybody that has a window seat. That should be who zone one is. Zone two. Everybody that got an aisle seat, I mean uh, middle seat, all middle seats is zone two. All middle seats is zone two. I don't think you ever would have anybody that would have to get up. You got an aisle seat, zone three. Get your ass on this plane. That's all that needs to happen. Zone one, windows. Zone two, middle Zone three, aisle. Where's the problem? Explain it to me. We don't have no more bag space, all right? Who got two bags up on top of the thing? Raise your hand if you got two bags up there. Nate, Nate, raise your hand if you got two bags up there. And if you don't tell the truth, we're charging you double. That is my solution or how you fix the boarding process. That's how you fix the boarding process. That's how you slow up the delays and I don't know why y'all not doing it that way. Call me crazy, but I think it will work. That's just how I feel about it. That's just, just how I feel about it. All right. Um, going back to my the story about um, not being able to bullshit a bullshitter. Um, so um, I, uh, you know, as comedians, we send out emails. We send out correspondence. We send out information to bookers, promoters, clubs, um, to try to get bookings and um you know we send this information out we're like all right man you know this is my name jay bliss been on comedy for this many years i've been on this i've done that these are the clubs that i work at if you need any references let me know i'll get this back to you here's some clips here's uh some sets here's some stuff like this blah 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 here's some feedback all the stuff you need to do in order to find out if you can get booked here are some of my available dates if any of these work out within your time frame, please feel free to contact me. Thank you in advance, Jay Bliss. Like these are the things that we send out on a regular basis to get booked. So I was told by a booker, contact this person. They have a club they're booking. It's open. Get in contact with them. You'll be perfect for them. Cool. Worked with another comedian. Hey, man, you should reach out to them. You would kill at this club. Cool. All right. I reach out. Boom, boom, boom. Friends with this person on Facebook. Everything. Okay, reach out. This person has to look and know that I'm booked on a regular basis. I put all my bookings out. If anybody that knows me, that knows I do comedy, knows that I'm constantly working. So they know I'm booked, right? I'm not no fly by night. I'm not no open micer. I'm not no, uh, I work every now and again, or maybe I work once out of the month. No, if I got a date, if I got an open date, I'm trying to fill it. 
So I send an email to a booker and I say, hey, you know, this is Jay Bliss. I've been doing comedy for this long and all the good stuff. Some clips, you need some references. Look forward to hearing from you. Here are my available weeks. Let me know if anything matches. The response I get is, I'm booked for the whole year of 2020. I booked this back in September. You booked for the entire year of 2020? It's February, bro. You are, you're booked for the entire year. So every single week, all 52 weeks, or 50, because I won't say 52, because you know you got to give Christmas and certain weekends, you got to give them a rest. Like So certain shows they're not going to do. But so for so for all fifty, so you're booked for all fifty weeks. So all fifty weeks you booked. You got fifty headliners already booked for your club for the entire year. I responded, okay. I was saying in my head, motherfucker, please. That's what I was saying in my head. So as I'm fuming and my my blood pressure is rising and I'm fist balled up and I'm cussing profusely in my mind I called another booker called another booker booker answered the phone this is how you know um, you're good with people I'm a comedian this person is a booker this is all this person does is books answer the phone first ring so this is somebody I trust somebody that trusts me somebody I consider a friend answer the phone bliss what's going on Hey, quick question for you before I lose my shit. Uh, I'm asking you as a friend, and I need your advice as a friend. I don't need your advice as a business person. I need your advice as a friend before I lose my shit. Go ahead, shoot. What's the What's the question? What's the possibility? First of all, how many clubs do you book? Hmm, hundreds. All right. <laughs> what's the possibility <clears throat> of a club? being completely booked for the entire year of 2020. Uh, there is none. That's bullshit. That's what I thought. That's your answer. Yeah, it's bullshit. That's what I thought. Yeah, it's no way. That's what he, that's what, that's what the booker told me. It's, there's no way. There's no way. There's fallouts. There's things that happen. There's openings. There's gotta be openings. There's no way. There's no way it's completely booked for the entire year. There's no way. And, I knew this, and then I said, yeah. I said, that's what I thought. And I said, I want to go back to this person and straight cuss them the fuck out and call their bullshit and tell them, look, dude, I don't want to work your club even if you got an opening just based off this fucking answer you just gave me. Because here's the thing. Even if you don't want to book me at that moment, you can look at the dates and you can simply say, okay, Thanks for the avails. We don't have anything currently, but continue to send them. But what you did was you looked at the email or you looked at the message. You read the message and you made a decision based off that message. You made a decision. Now, what you didn't do is check references. What you didn't do is find out who else has recommended me to reach out to you to work this club. Me working this club is probably a benefit to you more than you think it is. Otherwise, nobody would have reached out to me. I got reached out to two different 
two different people to reach out to him in order for him to book me. I didn't know anything about the club. Okay. But it was told to me, you need to reach out to him in order to get booked in this club because you would be perfect for this club. That was what happened. But when I got the response and the response that I got, I was pissed off. So the booker told me, look, man, don't burn bridges. And I'm like, I don't give a hell at this point. I don't care if this person comes back to me right now and tell me, can you do next week? I don't want to do it. Just based off of the response that I got immediately after I sent that message over. I was pissed off. I was pissed off, was mad as hell. And it's just like one of those things. And I know it's bullshit. I know it's bullshit. And I got a call back from another booker and this booker is, this booker is close to that person. This booker is close to that person. And I told the dude, it's not hard for me to call bullshit on that message. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, all I got to do is look on the calendar. You know how many comedians I know, right? He's like, yeah. I said, all I got to do is go to this comedian that's being booked and say, when'd you book this gig? If he don't tell me that he booked a gig in 2019, I know the dude is called is, is bullshitting. So if any point throughout this year, if I say, hey, man, um, I see you going to be at the club such and such in June. Did you book that in 2019? No, nah, I booked that in February. Oh, you booked it in February. Oh, so you booked your date in June in February when I when I send the email in February. Oh, OK, that makes sense. Because. Math-wise, it does make sense. If, you, if you're reaching out in February, you are giving avails from February to about, you know, May, June, something like that. You want to give out the weeks that you're available, or maybe around that same time frame, maybe a quarter at a time. You understand what I'm saying? Every three months or something, you're trying to send some stuff out. You give them a three-month time frame with the dates that you have available for those weeks. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, in June, you're probably looking for dates sometime around September and October. Yeah, so you're basically sending that stuff out in that, that time frame. You know what I mean? But based off this dude's email, I'm sending out a, a veil in February. This dude got he, October, November, all that, all that's booked already. Like, all that's done. All right? So when I tell you don't bullshit a bullshitter, I can't.